this being a hard text is something uh, that we take very seriously, but it's also part of the reason why we preach through, expositionally, um, we preach verse by verse. You'll notice we're in Colossians. Um, Our next series, uh, after we celebrate Advent, will be in another book, and we're going to go verse by verse, okay? And that's on purpose because uh, I don't get to edit what the Holy Spirit says in Scripture, I'm looking ahead uh, to what the Spirit is leading in us, and I'm already thinking, am I equipped to preach that? Is this church ready to hear that? And the Spirit reminds me, I don't get to choose whether I'm equipped or whether we're all ready. So we're going to be led by the Spirit this morning and through scriptures, and God, I pray that we are led by the Spirit as long as we live. So um, this is why we preach this way. I thought that was important for us to uh, cover. So there's certain words and concepts that um, not only do we actually believe, how do we feel comfortable, but some things that make us wonder, what do we actually believe? How do we think about certain concepts or words? Do we really understand them? Maybe sanctification might fit into that box for you. Is sanctification something that we really grasp if we slow down and think about it enough? Can we come up with a, a good definition we could communicate? It might take us looking at sanctification from different angles, using different perspectives, talking to different people, seeing the different things that Scripture has to say about sanctification. Today, we'll do that, but um, we're going to look In our passage, we've already read, there's a word in here that it's a different word, but it it communicates the same concept as sanctification. That word is renewal. To be sanctified, put simply, means to be made holy. To be made holy. Not to make yourself holy, but to be made holy. To be renewed. Does anybody know what renewal means? What does it mean to be renewed? To be made new. Man, that extra hour of sleep really did you guys good. That's still kicking in. Renewal is the process of being made new. And I've got uh, two, two parts. I uh, forgot to make a slide out of these to show them to you, but uh, if you're a visual uh, person, you can write these down. So the two, two parts of our sermon, how... We experience renewal. So the first part is how we experience renewal. And the second part is the outcome of our renewal. So this week and next week, we're going to be talking about renewal, to be sanctified, to be made new, to be made holy. We'll talk about how we experience renewal and the outcome of our renewal. We see three imperatives in verses 5 through 11. Imperatives are these words. Um, Thank you, Brian, for teaching me that word for the first time at the age of 32. Um, I I fought myself, not public school. Imperatives are these definite statements telling you something to do, a command. Put to death your sin. You must put away your sin. Do not sin. Three times. Three, the repetition of three is is an emphatic statement. 
okay? When something is repeated three times, we've got to pay attention. Put to death your sin. Why? Why must we put to death our sin? It's kind of fun sometimes, isn't it? It's cathartic to just lash out, talk however we want about people, be angry when we feel like it. Anger is not sinful. We'll learn in our scriptures today, it's uninhibited anger, undisciplined speech that is sinful. Let's look at verse 6. Why must we kill our sin? Because on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. On account of our sin, the wrath of God is coming. If we don't receive the renewal that Christ has for us, if we reject God's renewal by engaging in a life of sin, we reject Christ. If we reject sanctification, we reject salvation. Jesus is the whole package. He saves us and he makes us new. This is a command to receive salvation in Jesus and to receive the renewal of the Holy Spirit. If you don't put your sin to death, you will inevitably choose sin over God. The great Puritan, English Puritan John Owen says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. And to look ahead real quick, let's look at verse 10. What is the object of our renewal? Verse 10 says, and have put on, so take off the old self, our sinful self, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, there's our word, in knowledge after the image of its creator. Renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Well, we learned in chapter one that Jesus is our creator. So the point of our faith is to be renewed into Christ. We're being made new. We're being made like Christ. If your faith is in Jesus, your life is a renewal. And the goal, the outcome of that renewal, the goal of your life is not to make more money. It's not to put your kids in a Christian school. It's not to have it all figured out. The goal of your life is to be made like Christ. Doesn't that sound pretty awesome? Like if, if we follow Jesus and we trust him, surely this is the one guy you want to be like. We imitate ourselves after a lot of people. If you put your faith and hope in Jesus, isn't he the one person that you'd want to be like? He's pretty awesome, isn't he? That's the goal of our life. That's what the spirit has for us. So we submit to the scriptures we pray. C.S. Lewis said that Jesus was either crazy or he's God. He's a lunatic, a liar, or Lord, with a capital L. 
So either you're being made more and more crazy or you're being made more and more like God. Thankfully, our friends and our family don't get to decide which of those it is for us. Church, in his goodness and mercy, our Father in heaven has given us salvation in Jesus and sanctification, renewal because of Jesus. He's given us both. Hopefully you'll notice that my application points this morning um, are, are focused on how you can receive renewal, right? Because we know that the, the only thing I contribute to my salvation and my sanctification, the only thing I contribute to being saved and being made new is the sin that needs forgiveness, right? And so my application points are how do we receive renewal from the Spirit? How do we participate in what Christ has already won for us? So we saw in verse 5, let's read this again. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death, therefore. Did you guys see that word again? You want me to make that same joke that we made like three weeks in a row? Paul uses therefore a lot on purpose. And so I don't want you to move past it. I don't, we don't want you just to read the word therefore and be like, yeah, I don't know what that said, but whatever, I'm moving on. Paul's building an argument. Therefore is there on purpose. It's pointing back to verse three. Put your sin to death because you've died to your sin and your life is hidden with Christ. Put your sin to death Because you've already died to your sin. You have life. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. John 6, 63, Jesus himself tells us that we don't contribute anything but the sin that needs forgiveness. He says, the spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. This is why we put the flesh to death. We put to death what is earthly in you. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 8. If you um, pick up your Bible, if you're in Colossians 3, turn the page. You're in 1 Thessalonians 4, unless your pages stick together like mine. 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm going to build on to this argument that we don't do anything and how important it is for us to receive renewal from the Holy Spirit. Verses 3 through 8, 1 Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God. I'm going to stop right there. This is the will of God. How many of you have ever wondered, what is the will of God in my, for my life? What does God want for me? What does God have for me? How do I make this decision? This is the will of God, your sanctification. Does that that set you free a little bit? You can trust the Spirit to help guide your decision-making, to help guide your renewal, to help guide you through suffering and pain because the will of God for your life is to be made more like Christ. The whole point of God saving you was to make you new, to make you like him because he loves you. Verse 3, 
For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, this is serious. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you to sanctify you. What this is saying is that if we reject renewal, we reject God. If we continue to engage in a life of sin, then we will die without the salvation of Christ. This is hard for us to hear, but it's necessary. We have to take sin seriously. There's two, two obstacles to our renewal. It's One of them is taking sin so seriously uh, that we don't see sin in our own lives. We only see sin in other people's lives. And that's really not taking sin seriously. That's prideful. So we have to be able to see sin in us first, right? Christ says, if you're going to pull the speck out of your brother's eye, first take the log out of your own. The other obstacle to our renewal is undermining sin. Reading verses like this in Colossians and in 1 Thessalonians and saying, ah, that comes on a little too strong. I don't, I don't like the way that makes me feel. It might be the Holy Spirit convicting you. We don't get to edit the word of God. If we're still not convinced, let's go to Romans 6. Romans 6. Just a, a few books um, before Corinthians. Romans 5 is this declaration of our justification, our being made right before the Father, okay? Because of Jesus, our sin is dealt with, and we stand before the Father blameless. That's what Christ has won for us. And we're told in chapter 5 that this is a gift of grace, meaning you've done nothing to earn it. That also means you can't do anything to keep it, but you can't do anything to lose it. Justification is a gift of grace, God's mercy towards you that he freely gives for you to receive. So let's, knowing that, knowing that we are made right with God, let's read Romans 6, 1 through 4. We are made right with God. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Sometimes we hope so. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
dead to sin, raised to newness of life in Christ. Doesn't this ring of Colossians 3, 1 through 4, the message last week? See, Scripture corroborates with itself, does not contradict itself. So what must we put to death? Let's read verse 5 again entirely. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, passion. Um, This is what it sounds like. It's pretty straightforward. Uninhibited desire undisciplined pursuit, including any sexual activity outside of the bounds of biblical marriage. Doesn't matter the orientation of the sinner. Scripture is clear. We all sin in this way. Paul's not calling any one person or any one people group out. He's saying everyone. The Spirit is instructing Everyone to subscribe to a biblical sexual ethic. This command means we don't get to choose right and wrong for ourselves. Scripture tells us what to believe about sex. This is not a message focused on biblical sexuality. We will get to that at some point when the Spirit has that for us. Today, I have one question for you. Are you so committed to Jesus that you're willing to let your understanding of sexuality be challenged and reframed by him? Are you so committed to Christ, your Savior and sanctifier, are you so committed to him that you're willing to let your views of sexuality be challenged and reframed by Jesus? Not by culture, not by tradition, not by what we are doing now, not by what we've always done, by Christ in Scripture. Covetousness. Um, a word that we're more familiar with, same meaning, greed. Other translations will use this word, greed. Covetousness or greed, which is idolatry. Covetousness and greed is our desire for more and more. Like, how many days has it been since Halloween? Two weeks? You know how many times a day my kids still ask me for their Halloween candy? More and more and more and more. Scripture connects greed to idolatry because our covetousness and our greed, our our desire for more, puts our desires, this thing, or even what is in us, over every spiritual blessing that we have in Jesus. Salvation, sanctification, renewal, We have that in Christ. It's sealed for us in the Holy Spirit. In the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is given to his church. We have everything we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. 
This is why greed and covetousness is idolatry. Because we're, we're putting that on a lower shelf just so that we can have more food, money, work, sex, knowledge, esteem, recognition. Our desire for more and more must be put to death because it gets in the way of every spiritual blessing that we have in Christ. The Spirit gives us a gift in his church. <laughs> we have, um, so the church, the body of Christ, indwelling the Holy Spirit, that means that each one of us can minister to one another. That means that we can come to each other in confession and repentance. Repentance, turning from our sin towards Jesus. Turning from your sin is not enough. You have to turn from your sin towards Jesus. So it looks something like this. I didn't, I didn't warn you ahead of time, Brian. Um, this, this is what confession looks like. Brian, you know we had that bag of high-chew candy in the library. Um, I went through that, like, really fast. I know you helped me, but... I, I just need to confess that I'm having a hard time disciplining my desire for more and more sugar. Um, I need to confess that. And would you pray for me? And would you talk with me and help me understand what in my heart is broken? What in my heart wants candy more than Jesus? Will you pray for me and will you help me? Thank you. That's a silly example but replace candy with whatever your desires are. That is confession and repentance. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, God is just and faithful to forgive. Just to forgive. Justice and forgiveness don't really go hand in hand in our minds. They do in Christ because he paid the penalty. He upheld justice for us. Okay, let's read verse six. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Let me remind you how serious our sin is. Idolatry. On account of this, the wrath of God is coming. Okay, believe it or not, um, the next sin, verses 8 and 9, our speech, um, our aggression, is often even, even more, it can be more hard, more difficult for us to recognize because the nature of the sin of anger, anger in itself is not sinful, it's uninhibited. When it gets to this point of undisciplined anger, unrighteous anger, uninhibited speech, verbal abuse, when it gets to this point, 
We're so sunk into our prideful selves that we don't have the humility to see sin in our lives, to confess often. When I'm too harsh with my kids, I need my wife to point that out in me. And I beg the Spirit for humility that I would listen and obey. So let's read uh, verses 8 and 9. With that in mind, and, and let the Scriptures read you. We don't get to apply our agendas here. Let the Scriptures read you. Verses 8 and 9. But now you must put them all away. Not just like, Stick them in, in the, the junk drawer. Put them away like cast them out. Now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices. Anger, wrath, malice. This is, um, this is how we respond when our greediness is interrupted, when we don't get what we want, think about it. When are you most angry? When do you most have the desire to hurt somebody? Because we do, right? I played golf in high school. This is a, another silly example, but um, I was on the golf team. I remember I was a junior, and I went to this tournament in Abilene, and I played so poorly. I was playing well. I was number six on a team of ten. Just saying. <laughs> it's not that impressive. <laughs> um, I played so poorly. My expectations were not met. When I got home, I wanted nothing more than to smash all of my clubs on a tree. Break them all in half and just be done with it. Thankfully, the hour and a half drive home back to San Angelo cooled me down and I didn't have to quit or buy new clubs but it's that kind of uninhibited anger that we're talking about here we have to ask and sometimes beg the spirit to help us see the sin in our lives and ask other people that we trust others that are in Christ to speak into our lives in that way so the, God, uh, the Holy Spirit gives us the church to help us, to, for us to confess our sins to one another, to, to speak life into us and encourage us and pray for us. The Holy Spirit also gives us his word in scripture to, to help us see, to help us con be convicted of anger and wrath. And so let's look at um, Psalm 139. This is a psalm that is often... Um, often used for self-reflection to ask the Spirit to help us see clearly. When we are angry, can we, can we think or see clearly? Now, we go like into lizard brain mode, right? We need something to get us back down onto normal thinking level. Psalm 139, memorize these words, verses 23 and 24. You may have to turn the page. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God. And then what do you do? Move on to the next thing? 
No, you wait and you listen. You let the Spirit speak to you and hone you and refine you and convict you. It might hurt, but it is life-giving. Slander, obscene talk. We're back in Colossians. Slander, obscene talk, and lies. Another way to say this is gossip, verbal abuse, manipulation. You've probably heard the phrase, um, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Has that ever been true? It's helpful sometimes, maybe in the moment, to just try to blow something off. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Guys, words hurt. Your words hurt. You are hurt by them and you hurt with them. What, should say, what it should say is, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will wound my soul. take this so seriously because as a church, we are in a very vulnerable and tender season. A brand new church. People just forming relationships. I see Satan wanting to use our words to divide us. To separate us. How we speak about each other behind each other's backs. What we say to people outside of these walls about what's going on here. Whose side are we on? Slander, obscene talk, lies, gossip, verbal abuse. Spiritual warfare, it's happening. It's not this ethereal thing that like, oh, that happens sometimes. That happens in this way that I can't see or that I'm not a part of. Let's pray for the angels to take care of that. Guys, spiritual warfare is happening in our words today. How have you been using your words to talk about other people in this room? How have you been using your words towards other people? Let me rephrase that. How have you been using your words with other people outside of here about what's happening at Redeemer. Just sit with that for a second. Verbal abuse, gossip, slander has no place in the kingdom of God. Not in heaven. Not in Christ's body, the church, which means not at Redeemer. Not in this room, not with these people. I refuse to set back and ignore what the scripture has to say for us because I care so much about our love for one another, our unity together. I will not ignore this. I will not speak lightly of gossip and slander and verbal abuse. It does not matter who you're with. It does not matter the person that you're talking about if they're right next to you or they're across town and they can't hear you. Satan will use your words to create a hard heart in you and to destroy the heart of the other person. 
Whose side are you on? Are you working with God to build his church or are you working against him to tear it down? The Spirit has incredible plans for us at Redeemer. We want to share with you the six-month vision. Just six months. That's all, that's all we can see ahead enough of. And we've got amazing things planned. The Spirit has given us incredible things for the next six months. Guys, God is not mediocre. He plans to do great, amazing, incredible things that only he can take credit for, right? Are we working with him or against him? Our words will be used by the Spirit to build the church or be used by Satan to tear it down. You need to know that. Put off the old self, that self that's died to sin. How, how is our old self dead to sin? C.S. Lewis, his quote that Jesus is either crazy or he's God, he says that because often Jesus tells us that his death would take care of our death. That in his dying, our sins would be forgiven. That's crazy unless you're God. So when we read the scriptures, when we read verse, um, verse 3, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You need to know that this is true, but also that this is available for you now and every day for the rest of your life. The gospel is that Jesus lived this perfect life. He never acted out with uninhibited anger. We see him use controlled anger, righteous anger. He never gossiped. There was no sexual immorality in Christ. This list would never be used to describe anything he ever did. And it's because of that, that in his death, he took death for us. Jesus died so that we would be made new. He died so our sins would be forgiven. And he raised from the dead so that we would have newness of life. It's that simple. So we put on the new self. What is our new self? Jesus. Jesus is our new self. This is where things start to turn around. We start to get a little bit brighter, right? We can smile a little bit more. That second question that we opened with, what is the outcome of our renewal? It's that your being and your thinking and your living would be transformed from how you used to be, from your sin into Jesus' holiness, from your death into Jesus' life. That word knowledge used in verse 10, that's deep Rooted knowledge, not just up here, not just impressive, puffed up knowledge. This is the kind of knowledge that sinks into your inner being and transforms the way you live. Mind, body, soul. Your thinking, your being, your acting, your living, your doing. Knowledge of Christ. It's the kind of knowledge that Paul prayed for in chapter 1 of Colossians. It's the kind of knowledge that I've already told you. Your pastors pray for you each week. The Holy Spirit can and does make quick changes in our lives. But by and large, this work of renewal is slow. 
It requires a deep, patient commitment. So I want to encourage you, be kind to yourself. Brian has to tell me this so often. Be kind to yourself. I am my biggest enemy. I have the hardest things to say to myself about myself. Anybody else? We can be kind to ourselves because the Spirit is kind to us. Who we are is known by God, yet He is still kind to us. Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted. Look at Hebrews 4.15. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet He is without sin. So temptation cannot be sin. Be kind to yourself. Also understand that this is a process. You will not just have it figured out. The finish line is when Christ comes back and brings us home. There's no finish line in this world. It's a constant, daily, growing, and maturing, and renewal. But the finish line is Christ. So be kind to yourself. It's a process. You have this old self to put away. Does that ever happen instantly? It takes like hundred and something tries to make something a habit, right? I don't know the stat on that. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> That's just to make a habit. And a habit is like in your muscle memory, in your nerves, in your thinking. What about who you were? That's a whole process of renewal. Be kind to yourself, but also be kind to one another. Show mercy to your brothers and sisters in this room and trust that the Holy Spirit that is working in you is also working in them. You don't get to choose the rate of someone else's renewal. Trust the Spirit at work. Where is your identity? That's my last, my last question. Where is your identity? Because verse 11 is clear. There's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no American, Republican, conservative, liberal, uh, immigrant, whatever. There's, there's none of this. Christ is all and in all. Be unified in the fact that we're all growing in Christ. Rejoice in that fact and help. That's what the church is for. Allow scripture to help you become aware of your sin. We use Psalm 139. There's so many other Psalms. We have the whole counsel of God's word for this. Allow people who are also in Christ, allow the church to speak life into you, to pray for you, confess your sin to them, and let them pray for you. And be willing to speak life and encouragement into one another rather than soul-wounding gossip and slander. As a part of the body of Christ, your words should be working to build his church, not tear it down. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. As uh, we enter into this time for communion, I want to ask that you would take this opportunity. We've got the elements on the tables in the back. We've got some over here to my left. Would you take this song? We're going to stretch this song out a little bit. 
Would you take this next song to ask and receive the Father's forgiveness in Christ? And this is for all of us. So if you have already put your faith in Christ, this is our life, right? Constantly recognizing our sin, turning from it and turning to Jesus, asking again for his forgiveness. But if you have not put your faith in Christ, do not let this moment pass you by. These words are spirit and truth. We have all fallen short. None of us deserve the honor and glory that we have in Christ Jesus. But it's offered to us. Mercy, grace, and forgiveness is offered to you. If you have not received Christ Jesus as your Savior this morning, would you please come talk to Brian or I? Take this next moment, take the bread and the juice, the body and the blood of Jesus broken and poured out for you. Receive Jesus. Take it, eat it, drink it. Church, be made new. Also, if this, is a, if, if this has um, spoken to you in such a way, if the Spirit has led you to, to confess to someone in this room, would you please take that moment, not let that pass you by? We need to be unified as a church. Ask forgiveness and receive forgiveness. Give forgiveness and receive forgiveness. Please remember, I love you all so much. This is brand new, so a lot of you I haven't even got the chance to meet yet. But I pray for you. Brian and I, we love you. This is a, a message spoken to you in love. We are eager for your maturity. We are eager to present you before Christ, holy and blameless, matured in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you re please receive that renewal? And don't rush past. Don't, once you leave, don't be, go ahead and like be thinking on the next sermon or be thinking about uh, what you're going to do at work tomorrow. Let this sink in, please. I'm excited for next week because it's a lot light, more lighthearted than this. But I'm not going to apologize for this. Do not move past what God has for you in confession and repentance and renewal. Trust the Spirit at work in you and your brothers and sisters. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we trust you to do this work of renewal in us through the power of your Holy Spirit, by the preaching of your gospel, and then the reality of your gospel. That you sent your Son to us to die for our sins so that we could put sin to death and be raised to new life in Christ. What an incredible gift that is. God, would you stir our affections for you, that our love for you would be so great that we would want nothing more than to put sin to death. Would you stir our affections for your church, that we would confess and repent, that we would ask forgiveness and give forgiveness. God, would you build us together in the bond of unity and love. 
pray these things in the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus and because of Jesus. Amen.